Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. Yeah, Apple Apple TV Plus is a must for um, everyone. I tell everyone that just because Ted Lasso is that great. Dude, I've had some people that are quite honestly just not very happy people that when they talk about Ted Lasso, I can see the happiness inside them. Like it's pretty wild how a TV show can can bring that out of you. So I guess while I, I think I have free access with the the Mac purchase for the next I don't know how many probably a couple weeks. Days. Yeah, I think but that's like for the the care programs like the if i drop it or something um but i was talking to you about um working from home i thought this is kind of interesting because i've had a lot of people tell me i've recently been going into an office after working from home for like two plus years by choice i mean i could go into an office i could work wherever i wanted like because working remotely it's like i have a choice to do whatever i like i had just kind of built a little bit of like this office space but it's in my bedroom and because i haven't reached that point in my life where i have a separate office room because i love that conversation where people like why don't you just put it in your office i'm like i haven't reached that point in my life yet where i have an office (laughs) so one day one day but uh i i got this laptop for a lot of reasons and i really like it so far it's neat it's one of the newer macbooks it's cool i mean I'm, i'm a windows guy but I like the Macs. They're cool. Uh, services. It serves a purpose for me in a lot of different ways. And I decided to start going into this office and it wasn't, it's not a corporate office. So it's like, I was kind of explaining to you. It's one of my mentors he has in his house. He has like his garage and then he renovated the top part of the garage. So it's, I don't know, probably the size of, you know, uh, uh, dining room maybe like a little bit bigger than a dining room maybe the size of like a normal kitchen like that kind of square footage um and it's it's nice it's kind of got real real big windows he lives on a golf course so it's like good view if you ever want to just like take a little mental break and kind of look out and watch people like play some golf or stare outside it's really it's a nice nice little space and people have like asked you know because i always hear people wanting to work from home like remotely And I want to push back on that because I've realized something that if you don't have a separate space, like we were, I was talking with a a friend of ours a couple of years ago and just working on his insurance and talking to him. And he said he works from home and he has his little separate, he got a, like a two bedroom apartment, which to me, this is ridiculous, but I mean, tax wise and all that, I get the, I get the logistics, but he has a separate bedroom and he would have all of his office stuff in the second bedroom bedroom. And then he closes that door at 5 p.m. and he's done. So what I realized with myself is, is my argument against working from home is I was kind of getting, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, like kind of depressed, like working from home just because there's no separation. Like I would get up from my desk and walk 10 feet to my kitchen and start cooking dinner and you know eat in the living room and stuff like that but at the same time like when i would come back into my bedroom either go to sleep or you know do something on my computer because you know me i have you know four or five different projects going at once you know working on something else it's like my mind gets in that space of like 
you know, nine to five work. And it's kind of like you never escape it. And so I got this laptop and I've started going into this this office. I, I don't ever want to sit in a cubicle. I've made that you know clear for years on this plat- platform and you know a lot of in a lot of different conversations. I will never work in a cubicle. I, I hated it. I worked in it for an internship for about six months and I left that internship without a job happily and just never wanting to work in a cubicle because of how just miserable that is. And so I was really grateful to work from home, but I realized over the course of time, like you kind of get a little depressed because you're always home. And unless you have a job that you're kind of moving around and I, I created opportunities for me to not be at home every day, like to go into different offices, do marketing, do stuff like that. So it, it like, it helped me out, but I've realized over the past couple of weeks of working in you know, my mentor's little like garage space, basically his office, he calls it like I leave there and come home and it's like refreshing, man. Like I see my dog. I'm really excited. Like it's nice to be home. Like I can relax. I put, you know, I put the backpack down, you know, the whole like coming home from school feeling. And I think that's underrated when talking about working from home because our good friend, Michael, I think he's, you know, finally he's got a job lined up. God bless. But he was one of his stipulations in the beginning was he wanted, you know, part time remote. And I never had this conversation with him, but I kind of like I realized this after, you know, really today and yesterday. I was like, I don't think, you know, working remotely is all that like it's nice to have the freedom, so to speak. But there's always a trade off in life, like long term from somebody who's done it, you know, about three years, uh, never really had to go into an office. It's kind of like you know, wears on you because you just, you're always home, man. And I've really enjoyed going somewhere, at least, you know, having the option, but now like making it a priority to, you know, get there at a certain time and leave at a certain time. And when I get home, I don't really work on the stuff I was working on there, like really kind of creating a separation. I've noticed it's, it's really, you know, helped me out. So curious your thoughts though because you've you've never really worked you worked from home for a little bit right like just a little bit though oh never never. yeah i've never worked from home but uh at my job right now i do we do get like kind of like um you know you get paid time off we are allotted a certain amount of time to be able to work remote um so that's that's really nice because that that creates that i feel like there's a nice balance um because say you go in in the morning and lunchtime is about to come around and you're not feeling too well or whatnot. It's like, Hey, um, I'm gonna work remote for the rest of the day. Instead of having to be at the office, um, you know, you get to work remote and whatnot. And I actually just requested to work remote in a couple of weeks, um, when we move into the new place. So that way I can, get some unpacking done and whatnot um while at the house i mean it's just it's kind of resourceful um like that because you know there's certain certain days like say you have to have a, I don't know somebody a plumber come fix your who what xyz you know it yeah, sucks definitely. if you don't have that kind of flexibility with remote it sucks having to be like man i gotta take a day off or whatever just because the plumber needs to come fix the sink or something. So it it's it's real it's real nice kind of having that at 
with my job having that flexibility because i mean ultimately the office is it's nice it, it's more productive but we have a pretty nice office building too it's out in the in the valley of the mountains over here so it's it's like nice scenery you get nice views and whatnot um but you know sometimes being at the office can where are you at a little bit? I know I'm kind of excited to work remote just so I can like, it's just a lot of distractions sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, but I know by the end of that remote, uh, like working that week remote, I'm be like, I'm ready to go back to the office. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I mean, there's a sense of camaraderie when you go into an office, but there's just, there's a lot of things. I think, you know, if you view it in only extremes, right? Like, the the guy that has to go work in a white wall cubicle doesn't see you know the outside for 10 hours a day who's listening to this is like absolutely not like i'd love to work remote but then you flip it around in the you know let's say the coder that sits in his bedroom all day and you know rolls out of bed doesn't shower and sits and works 12 hours on code in his bed or in his in his pajamas and then gets back in bed kind of thing like that's I mean, there's there's extremes to everything. So I think like the balance, like you're saying, is is really nice. Just having the flexibility is nice. But I've I've enjoyed having the separation from everything because that's been so key. I think mental health wise, uh, just like the past through the past couple of years, like mental health has become like such a prominent thing, and it makes a lot of sense because you lock people up for like two years and you know, they go a little crazy, man. It's, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, you know, having that separation, but obviously if you're working in a white wall building with no access, you can't go outside, you can't take breaks, that kind of thing. Like you gotta be able to go outside. Like you gotta get some sunlight, you know, that's, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we all learned that, you know, through the COVID stuff was just like sitting inside all the time, dude, depresses you because you just, you don't get that vitamin D that you need, bro. You need that D. That's what you need. So get, get your head out of the gutter. What are you what are you talking about? Get your head out of the gutter. I mean, you didn't have to say that, fool. I said it, so I was hoping that you'd not have your head in the gutter, but Well, I mean, what what I, those words should never like in that situation shouldn't have came out of your mouth, man. I, I come on, bro. Come on, man. All right. We can, we, I can, I could piece you apart right there. If that's what she said, jokes, but I'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on from it. That's fine, that's, uh, bro. I just, I don't got to bring in that D. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk some sports. Let's get away from that. Let's talk about, uh, all right. LeBron James got swept. Whoop, whoop. Hey, he I tried, bro. Lose. I picked them to lose in a gentleman's sweep. So I was, one game off. I really thought they would get one. I thought they'd get the first one. They, I mean, it felt like, I mean, when you put up 31 and a half, I felt like that was going to be an opportunity. But let me just ask you the classic Twitter question that's so funny that I feel like Stephen A always asks is, how does this impact LeBron's legacy? Getting swept at age 38 in the conference semifinals. Conference finals. Conference finals, apologies, yeah. Uh, I think it doesn't. I mean, no one expected him to be in the conference finals. And crazy part is, like, it's widely known his he, his foot is just he's not healthy. For once in his career, he's he's 
legitimately like not healthy and kind of sucks because it would have been nice to see at least a healthy LeBron as healthy as one could be at this time of the season. Um, at 38 years old. At 38 years old, yeah. I mean, the fact that it was on, it's only his foot. Well, not that it's only his foot, because I'm pretty sure he's going to have to have surgery, but I, I think it, it doesn't impact at all, bro. Like, no one expected him to be here, and he still made it. Um, ultimately, so does it help his legacy? I'm, I asked, how does it affect? Sounds like you're saying it doesn't affect it negatively. Does it help his legacy, what he's done in the playoffs this year? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not going to like, if you're on the Jordan side of the fence, this year isn't going to make you jump to the LeBron side. It's not that impactful, but it is, I think it is, what he accomplished this season was, was a positive, you know? The fact that they started what two and eight or two and ten, something along those lines. Two That's and ten, yeah. Two and ten. And he ended in the conference finals. Granted, he got swept. I mean, nobody expected the Lakers to win this series. I mean, the Nuggets are, I think, by far the best team in the league. Uh, when Jokic is playing the way that he's playing, I mean, I watched him a couple days ago, whether it was game four, or game five take a step back shot clock buzzer beater three point shot and swished it. I mean, that's at seven foot, whatever he is, that's crazy. (laughs) Like you, you can't guard that. And that's only one of the superstars that they have. Jamal Murray. I mean, people like to trash on him. He was injured at points in his career. I, I have been a Jamal Murray fan for a long time. I, I think he's a great player. Um, I, I, I think when that guy comes out and puts 30 or 40 on your head, I mean, what are you, what are you going to do when you've got Jokic in the middle and you've got Jamal who can shoot on the outside and Jokic, who can, I mean, Jokic can do everything. We talked about this last podcast. I mean, he can do quite literally everything. So I think you picked him for your, you picked him for your all time top five. <laughs> that tells you enough, <laughs> which I can't believe that still. I mean, Carmelo Anthony with good teammates. I'll never forget that. Uh, if you don't get that reference, you got to listen to the last episode. That that reference is is classic. That's a good one. Um, but I think this. I I I think uh, if you are still on the LeBron side of thing, or sorry, on the Jordan side of things, where Jordan is still the greatest, you know, I I think your only argument at this point is that he's six and zero in the finals. Like that that is quite literally your only argument. And if that's your only argument, then this doesn't mean anything because he wasn't in the finals. He was in the conference finals, but he wasn't in the finals. So Actually, it does because he can't get another loss on the finals. Exactly. Because then that, that will be thrown at him. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't think – I mean, the real question, and we'll get to it, is about Anthony Davis. But I agree with you. Like Every time there was a knee bump that he had in, in game four – with one of the players and one of the Nuggets players. And I sat there and I, every single time this guy gets hit, I like stand up and freak out. Cause I'm, I'm watching. Cause I remember when I watched Tom Brady play in his last Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, like in the playoffs before he came back that year, 
for the year and all the Giselle stuff happened and all that. Like, I remember that and then remember him like 30 or whatever days later, like 20 days later, retiring. So I am now at that point with LeBron where I'm and he softened his stance. Did you see that about the Bronny stuff? And he's like, well, you know, if Bronny doesn't want to play with me, then, you know, he doesn't kind of have to. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but that was kind of what he was getting at, which is strange because after all these years of him saying that's his goal, that's what he wants to do. He wants to be on the same team, yada, yada. I don't I'm not going to pick apart any personal stuff, but you got to think, you know, if I'm not picking apart personal stuff and you're talking basketball and longevity, I mean, he's gonna have surgery on his foot more than likely, you know, this, this could be one of those things that this off season, he has a real conversation with Bronny and comes back and looks at his career and says like, is this kind of it? Like, I mean, he might for pride's sake. I mean, I feel like at this point, like what, what does he have to achieve? Right? Like play till he's 40. He could play at 40 years old. He certainly could. But if he's not going to play and his goal isn't to play with Bronny, you know, if that gets softened and his contract runs out next year, like what is what does he do? Like, is this going to be the next, is this going to be the last season of LeBron or I mean, does he keep going? I, I don't know. Like that's it's just a lot of different little things adding up that, you know, I love to speculate about. Um, what do you think about that? Him softening the stance? Do you think he's still wanting to play with Bronny or what do you think about that? I think he's putting a hard, a full court press on the Lakers. I think he's just, I mean, it's LeBron. He's, he's, he's a smart guy. You know, he might not read the books. He's always like (laughs) walking around with, but you know, this man's made it this far in his life, not just off of basketball, you know, um, obviously at this point for LeBron, like he said, he's like, I'm playing to get to win the chip. You know, I'm not playing to. It's funny because in a way, I feel like he countered uh, Giannis's. Um, you know, Giannis had the no. This season's not a failure. Like you're only a f-, like you know that whole after they got yeah. uh, beat by the Bucks, but like uh, LeBron took in a way, not obviously, but just in a way, he took the polar opposite stance and like yeah this season was a failure i didn't get a ring what what you mean i'm here to get rings i'm not here to get to the western conference finals i'm here to win the whole thing and so with that to me i I feel like uh he's really just putting some pressure on the lakers essentially saying that he needs a little bit more i'm gonna lure i'm gonna contemplate retirement we'll have to see we'll think about it because obviously if the lake say if the lakers go get freaking i don't know just a loaded roster of course lebron's gonna come back like there's no way he's retiring no way say they go and get kd no way lebron's retiring not zero percent not happening so it you know it's i i feel like he's kind of he's playing his cards correctly he's not going out there and saying you know nah the lakers like i need you guys to he's sending he's sending like those, those uh what do they call it uh subtweets he sent some subtweets in there let me push back on that though because at this point in his career 38 and what he's accomplished like why would he need to play any games with the lakers like i feel like he could go and just say this is what i want 
this is what I've given you in my, you know, tail end of my career, gave you a championship, the bubble championship, which, I mean, I never called it really into question. I mean, maybe I said some bullshit, but I never really thought that it was like a fake championship or whatever. I thought it was one of the harder championships because of the mental toll it took. But I think he could just go to them and just tell them how it is kind of thing. Like he he's the GM, you know, the owner. I mean, that's just who he is at this point. Because right. you're right. Like, it's a great perspective. And I didn't I didn't catch that from LeBron, but it's a great perspective because at his age and his status in the game, like what other reason does he have to play except to win more championships? Like there's no other reason. Like he's made all the money in the world. He's got all his businesses set up. He can go enjoy his life right off in the sunset. And we'll all look back on it and be like, wow, that was the greatest player ever. Like greatest career ever. I mean, it's just so... I feel like he could go to the Lakers and he doesn't need to play mind games. He has all the leverage in the world. Not necessarily. Cause I mean, he could go to the Lakers. Like just be like, yeah, yeah. LeBron will, will, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that. Plus, you know, it's a way in going to the public with it as well. Cause that, that once you add in the public factor, the public pressure, then it's it's totally like okay now we really got to do something we can't just if it's behind the scenes no one knows about it lebron says something it's kind of like okay lebron we'll try but you so know. he's gonna say some shit on the boardroom is what you're saying oh, or no, not the boardroom that's kd uh what is it the bar the shop the, yeah, shop, the shop yeah i don't think so I, I mean i think he said what he needed to say and he said it i feel like in the best way he probably could have um other than because anything else probably would have been kind of i guess not a good look like hey we need like your front office need to give me better players and you know stuff like that that's not it's not a good look but yeah i mean i i think he's returning i think it's just one of those calculated moves by lebron um and yeah, about playing for championships, like this, this dude got all the money in the world. And it's one of those things uh, you see, you're starting to see a lot more in the fight game too. You know, you got recently like Jorge Masvidal just retired because, not because he doesn't want to fight or anything anymore. It's just like, if he can't, he, he realistically, like he just can't keep up with the younger, younger people anymore. He's not the best in the world anymore. Um so it's like, why, why am I going to keep doing this? The only reason I want to do this is to get the belt, be the best in the world. I'm not just out here just doing this just just because, just because I need a paycheck. And so I, I think, and I, took, I definitely feel that from LeBron, especially after the career he's had. And he, he, I think if it wasn't for Bronny, like actually coming into the NBA in a couple of years, I would believe the retirement a little bit more. But since Bronny, like you said, he's talked so much about Bronny, wanting to play with Bronny. He's still, he's not retiring. I don't think he's, I mean, he's obviously not retiring this offseason. He'll come back and fulfill his contract next year. But the we'll see, like, what the Lakers put together. You're talking about, like, <clears throat> going and adding somebody that brings into question, like, 
What's going on with Anthony Davis, dude? Anthony Davis is supposed to be one of the, the best players in the league. And he's just not. Like, I, I read something today that I think it was it was actually J.J. Redick who said it. It was just I caught like a quick couple seconds of this clip and read the headline, so forgive me. But paraphrasing, essentially, the topic he taught, he the point he made was, you know, he's not an alpha. He's not like a top dog. And you've heard me for a couple of years now say that LeBron will never be again the best player on a championship winning team, not because of his skill level, but because, like you're saying with Hori Mazadal, he's just he's 38. Like there's only so much he can give. And the guy put up 31 in the first half, and you're telling me he has to have surgery on his foot. Like that's I mean, how do you how do you do that? You know, at, at age 39 or age 40, or if he goes beyond that. So Anthony Davis has to step up because AD is 30 years old. AD is supposed to be in the prime of his career. So the question is then, like, is Anthony Davis not enough? Like, what is, what is, what's going on there? I mean, that's, that seems like he got, he's, he's, I mean, it's, it's probably Jokic, Joel, as far as big men in the league. I mean, AD plays center, so, or he's listed at center. So, like, what do you, do you put him at three? I mean, is he the third best big man in the league? Or, like, is there somebody else I'm forgetting? You know, that's, and if he is the third best, like, we watched him just, I mean, it was the Jokic show. It was absolutely Jokic show. I mean, AD didn't stand a chance. So, I don't really know what to, what to believe there. I think it's because the evolution of, in a way, the evolution of the game. Um, it's kind of like, once again, to relate it to the fight game. But he's 30. The fight game, um, you know, I say, oh, you know, these, these 30-year-old, like mid-30-year-old guys that like have been the bet, cream of the crop, like Conor McGregor's era. Like that era, cream of the crop, peop, fighters. It's just the game, the, the, they're like, the last generation their style last generation it worked when it worked but now there's this new wave of younger fighters that are more well-rounded they just they're 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 technique more crisp technique they're they're more creative and whatnot i think and with anthony davis it's just the big man the 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 attributes he possesses it's just it's not enough to be in that conversation with Joel and Jokic as one of the big men. If you're not in in a way, in my opinion, if you're not freaking um, playing like Joel or Jokic, that kind of style, I don't want to say like at their level, because don't obviously those are the two best of the best. No one's else. No one else is playing at that level, but even at Anthony Davis's best, he, I don't think he's at that level because he's not, one of the main things is the playmaking. He doesn't have that playmaking. He doesn't have that. I feel like Jokic and Embiid are very, um, their high Q, their IQ is a lot, basketball IQ is a lot higher. Therefore, because they do, you know, recognize when the double comes and like where to go and what, and with the ball and whatnot. I just feel like that, that kind of stuff, Anthony Davis doesn't really do in his defense. His inconsistencies on defense doesn't help either because, I mean, if anything, 
you know, you could have the shots not go down. Sometimes the shots just don't go down. Sometimes, like, just the ball doesn't bounce your way. But you can – defense is effort. You know what I mean? You can yeah. always, always rely on your effort, except if you're Anthony Davis. <laughs> and you I, cannot rely on that effort. You're throwing a lot of hot takes out there. I like it, though. I – I mean, I agree with you that at Anthony Davis's best, and this is wild to say, offensively, I don't think he's on the same level as Jokic. I think Jokic is in a league of his own at this point. I mean, the fact that Joel won the MVP was just because, Yo- I mean, there's I, I didn't watch all of the regular season. I'm not a professional basketball analyst, NBA analyst, so I'm sure there were some metrics and some things that the NBA MVP voters knew about, but... You know, just as a person watching outside in and watching basically every game in the playoffs, Jokic is just a better player, man. Like, and they gave it to Joel, Joel because he was the runner-up two years in a row, and he had, you know, he was, I believe, the scoring champion this year. He had a couple of the other accolades, I imagine, in his name instead of Jokic's name, and they had the record. I mean, that's, and I'm spitballing right here because, again, like. To me, watching Jokic play, that is the best player in the NBA. Like he is unguardable. The fact that he's seven feet tall and can hit fadeaway threes is unbelievable. Nobody can do that. That's that's Kevin Durant, but he plays bully basketball. Like he bullies himself to the rim. And that's what I think with Anthony Davis, you know, kind of my opinion on it is if you're a guy that doesn't have all of the shots in your bag that somebody like Jokic does. And I think he's got a nasty turnaround fadeaway. Uh, Anthony Davis does like a mid-range turnaround. He's got a nasty, he's got good post game, but for whatever reason, he doesn't play bully basketball all the time. And I don't know if it's like an injury thing or if it's just the way the team kind of works chemistry wise, or if it's in his head that three is more than two or, but I was watching this guy. He took, two back-to-back three-pointers from the corner, which is the highest percentage three-point shot you can take. But at six foot ten, six foot eleven, seven feet tall, like you are best service. And I kept saying this over and over and over again, dude, get rebounds, like play bully basketball. Like you, if you're one of the best defenders, which LeBron claimed he was one of the best on ball, big men defenders, like play bully basketball, like get in the paint, get the two, get every, like work that. And let the guys outside, they built a team of shooters around them. They went and got D'Angelo Russell. AR-15 is a monster somehow. (laughs) And they've got other players around. Lonnie Walker shows up in the fourth quarter that are shooters. So why are you spreading the court unless it's, okay, the other team is dictating the style of play, so we have to play that way. Three is more than two. Or injuries you know and prevention and long term and you know that longevity i mean like that i mean that that's what gets to me is like i'll look at him and i said the same thing about joel when i would watch joel play this year in the playoffs is like dude you're supposed to be the best best man in the league like that you're the mvp man just like bully your way to the bat to the basket dude nobody's bigger than you nobody's stronger than you just bully your way there and get the two i don't understand that so that's more my thing with ad is that like I feel I feel like when I watch him, there's that hesitation to play like his style of basketball, if that makes sense. I think I think one. Um, let me let me correct that. His 
where his skill sets are best placed, like his skill sets being more interior than exterior. That's more what I meant. Let me put to you like this. So it's 2023 in this NBA game. I would say the center position is kind of equivalent to the NFL today, the running back position, in my opinion, and where unless you have a Nikola Jokic or something like Anthony Davis is overpaid. Um, you got to think about that, especially on, on the basketball team where there's only 12 roster spots and you have cap space for only 12 players. The center position is not, I mean, do you know how much Anthony Davis would have to do to have a game? He's, in the trenches, trying to get every rebound, all right? So he's banging pretty much every every defensive possession. He's, like, banging down low, every defensive possession. And then, he had, since he is Anthony Davis, he has that a pretty good-sized load to carry on the offensive end, too. Now, imagine, even though he is, you know, top-tier athlete, seven-foot, whatever. Just imagine every possession just having to just, like, bang it out on the defensive boards, bang it out, and then you got to go on the post. All right, next, you finally, you get a rebound, pass it out. All right, go back to the post. All right, you got to bang it out on the post and try to get this bucket at the same time, possession after possession. And I just think, realistically that it just can't be done especially in today's nba where everybody is so talented because look i'm looking at a list of centers right now that i I just googled nba centers 2023 i mean you got i'm just going to name a few here so you got joel Embiid, nikola nikola jokic uh vucevic from the chicago bulls yeah um carl anthony towns rudy gobert anthony davis bam Adebayo, deandre aden brooke lopez so when I look at the list of centers, it's funny that you mentioned Joel Embiid, how he's like very up and down. Sometimes you, you mm-hmm. can't really. He's inconsistent. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how I would categorize Anthony Davis as well. Joel Embiid, very similar, similar to Davis, has to make sure, has to go bang down low, get those rebounds, and then he has a pretty good size load on the offensive end. Therefore, I mean, having to do that game in, game out, every possession takes a toll. You look at somebody like Nikola Jokic, everybody wants to kind of clown, I guess clown's not the right word, but criticize his defense, how his defense isn't really that good. Well, if you ask me, yes, his defense might not be up there with the Davises of the world or Joel Embiid's of the world, but that's... In my mind, it's, I think it's the smarter play at the end of the day. I'm not saying that he's intentionally like not playing defense. But the thing is, he, I feel like he picks his times. He knows, like, okay, yeah, no, I'm, somebody's going in for the dunk. He's not going to be that guy to, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to contest this and block it. It's like, all right, bro, you got it. All right, next possession, like throw the ball in. And I think that's what makes him so you know, consistent because one, it it helps too that he's such a playmaker. He could spread the floor, but he's not, 
I guess he's not as committed as the other two guys on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, and rebounds, yes, he obviously he gets like double digits, re, double digit rebounds, like no other. But I mean, he's seven, he's seven foot two. Like, yeah, of course he's gonna get the re, some rebounds. Um, but overall, big bigger picture, looking at this list of NBA centers, so. You think about, like, one on here that I really like is Bam Adebayo. He's a pretty good example of, yes, he's not, like, you wouldn't ever say, oh, Bam Adebayo is better than Anthony Davis. Because it's really not true, skill-wise. But if I'm, like, an NBA GM, I'm taking a Bam Adebayo over Anthony Davis because Bam Adebayo has that playmaking factor. He, he's able to do more than just, like, oh, rely on you posting up and playing bully ball and whatnot. He could facilitate some offense, not to the Jokic level, but he does facilitate offense pretty well, and sometimes they run it through him. I feel like that kind of stuff, and then you you go to a Brooke Lopez, he could spread the floor and, like, legit spread the floor, which can be very useful. And he's not, like, a playmaker per se, but he can hit those corner threes that Anthony Davis, you were talking about missing. He could hit Brooke Lopez could hit those pretty yeah, easily. Yeah. Like there's, there's, it's like, he's not your prototypical center. He, he can make those good, those threes pretty consistently. And um, so, and then another one, Deandre Aiden, he's another one I categorize with like Anthony Davis, but why it's cause all he does is just, he's the old school, I don't want to say old school, old school, but he's pretty much like an old school style center. Whereas you got a Bam Adebayo, Brooke Lopez. Um, I would even say Vucevic. Vucevic is a pretty good stretch, stretches the floor pretty well. Jokic, more of the new age, like what you need in 2023, in today's NBA, what you need at center. And the reason why the Lakers will never be good is because Anthony Davis's style of being a center is it's outdated and the problem is if you think about it in a way he's kind of like a glorified clint capella in a way oh my god i mean it it just like if you really think about it he what he contributes i mean some of these guys i name contribute more overall maybe not to the numbers but to their team yeah to the team and whatnot, it, it, it's just a lot more. And the thing is, Anthony Davis is clogging up. What is he making? He has to be making at least $30 million a year. So I know he's clogging up a ton of cap space. Therefore, you cannot get somebody else. Like, it would be nice if I could get Anthony Davis on, like, $20 million a year, and I could go get somebody else that's pretty good. Now we're talking. Now that's value. But... At this point, for Anthony Davis's uh, contract, shit, give me a, I prefer, give me a Robert Williams III over, over Anthony Davis because, you know, I could build a team around that. These days, they're trying, in a way, they're trying to build a team around Anthony Davis, and you can't do that in today's NBA. Not with That's his skill set. Not, not with his skill set. Let me say that. Well, not with his skill set. If you have a Jokic, obviously, you could build around that. But Anthony Davis's skill set, you cannot build around that. Um, and stop saying aging LeBron. I don't like that. 
it's like a, it's he's aging. He's he's still. He's, he, it's great. not showing on the stat sheets, amazingly, but he is aging. I mean, it's just it's different. He's not. He's he's not the same. But that's that's okay because he's still LeBron. I mean, just because he's not 2012 or any version of Miami Heat or you know early Cavs LeBron doesn't mean that he's not still LeBron James. LeBron James, he's one of the best, man, one of the best ever. Uh, but I mean, I I I can see where you're coming from. I agree with some of the things that you said. Like I I agree that you know I don't think that Anthony Davis. At this point, with the competition in the league today in 2023, I don't think at this point that you can like have him as the center, the focal point of your franchise and win a championship. Like unless he it plays at the absolute A plus plus maximum level he can every single game. And if that's not realistic, because I didn't like where you really started there about like getting up and down the court and being the that's kind of like for me, and I agree with you ultimately as like your point, you know, developed. But for me, as a fan of the game and a fan of these athletes, like I, I, I hate to to put the pressure on them, but like that's expected. Like you are, you are a physical freak. You were born, trained, everything to play this game and be great at this game. Like obviously you have other skill sets and other ambitions and things like that. But I'm saying when you're born looking at AD right now, 6'10, 250 pounds, and built like a freight train in your shoulders, I mean, that's you're 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 made to play in the NBA. So I think at that point it's like, yeah, I I think you do have some validity to your argument there about like building you can't win building a team around him in this in this day and age. But if he did contribute at his absolute maximum every single game, I think you, I think you'd have a pretty solid shot at at winning a championship. It just, I agree, it's not, it's not realistic to have somebody like him with his skill set contributing and not getting shut down at all, like not having the fluctuation we saw in the playoffs this year because he did fluctuate, and I don't, I don't hate that. So I'm curious though. Let's stick with basketball, but I want to talk to you about um, some UFC. Uh, there were some rumblings. The Celtics. We were, we wanted to record on Wednesday because we thought Jimmy would. <laughs> we thought Jimmy would close it out yesterday, but the the C's were able to come up with something. And Jason Tatum finally, dude, he scored his first fourth quarter points of the series yesterday, which is wild to think about. That is wild. And my take of saying I think he's one of the best players in the league, if not the best did not age well, <laughs> which I didn't expect, to be honest with you. I didn't expect the man to just all of a sudden fall off a cliff in the conference finals. But yeah. I still think he's one of the best. He's 25, I think. So I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm not going to define a player by one series. I'm not Skip Bayless and talking about LeBron James and the Mavs. I'm not going to define an entire player's career on one series. So... Hey, I don't think the Celtics are going to win. I picked them to win. I think everybody picked them to win. I think yesterday at 3-0, the AI or whatever ESPN uses, the statistics, still had the Celtics winning the series at 3-0. When there's, I think it's Owen 150. Owen 150 is the 
the uh, the teams that go down 3-0. There's never been a team that has won from 3-0 down. And that's, uh, I mean, 150 teams have tried. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But the question I want to ask you is, right now, what I saw just briefly, and I kind of came up with this topic, Joe Missoula, who's the coach of the Celtics, his job is being questioned. And I want, this is going to be a silly question for sports, but do you think that's fair? After one year, and he was sitting, I learned this today, he was sitting on the back bench. He wasn't even sitting on the courtside bench for the coaches last year. He was sitting on the second bench for the coaches last year. He gets promoted to be the head coach. And he gets, I think it was halfway through the season, right? Like he didn't, did no, he start the, the season? Yeah. Oh, the beginning? The, okay, the, okay. So the Yoka stuff happened happen, um, in the off season. Okay, okay. Just making sure. I thought that was right. Yeah. Um, so do you think it's fair if he loses his job? Uh, nope. Um, first of all, he still got them to the conference finals. So, hmm. I mean, it's... There's the argument about the team, though, that the team was in the finals last year and then they added Malcolm Brogdon. So it's kind of like the team basically could have gotten but, to the conference finals is the argument there. But it's not the same, though. Things change. Like Jalen Brown, he, he sounds like he's, he has one foot out the door every time he speaks. That wasn't the case a year ago. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's just, it's not... You know, it's the little intangibles people don't think about. They just think about, oh, you have the same team, same roster, the same names on paper, the same names, and out in Malcolm Brogdon, y'all should be winning the championship this year. Guess what? Shit happens. Like, just sometimes, you know, and especially when you go against a, a, your counterpart is the Miami Heat. These guys were in eighth seed, and, like, freaking lost their first playing game like the first game to get into the play-in crying out loud and these guys are in the eastern one game away from getting to the finals like you cannot there, there's something with that that's a little now that i think about it, it's a little disrespectful to the heat to be even be saying that because that's not giving eric spolstra and those guys jimmy butler enough credit and i'm gonna say this Jimmy Butler was like, I don't, was he, I know he played last game, but he was like, meh, he, he, he was just there. So it, it, I feel like it's been a while. I feel like uh, next game, Thursday night, yeah, Thursday night, next game, ooh, I'm smelling a 50 piece, bro. 50. I, I think... I think it's it's going he he might turn it on and feel like it has to happen. I feel like Jimmy Butler is one of those kind of uh smart play like smart playoff players. Smart playoff players. Like LeBron where Jimmy knows when when he has to turn it on and he knows it can't be on all the time or else you're 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 just going to get tired like tire yourself out and whatnot. And, you know, they were up 3-0. Honestly, for the most part, the Heat as a whole, as a team, have been just on it. It hasn't even been, like, 
Jimmy Butler scoring 50 a night. It's just the team as a whole, they're just all, they're in sync. Couldn't imagine him coming into a 3-0, like, all right, like, everything's flowing, we're doing good. And, I mean, it was pretty close, pretty close game. I mean, they. I felt like I watched up until halftime, and I felt like um, when I went to bed at halftime, I felt as if, you know, they, they – they got this like they they have a good thing going but then i thought that about the lakers too and then woke up to espn nuggets sweep lakers i'm just like what the <laughs> like I'm just, that's the first thing i wake up I'm, I'm like you know it's funny now since on eastern time the games go so late i usually just end up falling asleep and then um you know wake up to the espn notification for both NBA and hockey, like who ended up winning, because they always put it on their note. Like, I fully a hundred and ten percent expected after halftime when I turned off the game that the Lakers were gonna win this and continue on for the gentleman sweep. Like LeBron was just going nuts, crazy. <laughs> so. First thing I wake up to, 6 in the morning, check my phone, the Nuggets sweep, sweep the Lakers. I'm like, what the fuck happened? What did y'all do while I was gone? <laughs> I, I've watched them all, and I'll tell you what, the uh, third quarter for the Celtics Tuesday night was, uh, wow, 18-0 run. It went from 55-61 to, uh, let, me, let me confirm, but I believe it was 55. No, 50, sorry, 52 to 61 to 70-61 over the course of the uh, third quarter, which is nuts to go 18-0. I would think that you would call a timeout eventually. Uh, I don't remember if he did. I don't remember if you're, I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but I would think you would at some point when they're on a 15 0 run or 12 0 run. You're like, okay, let's call a timeout. Let's get, let's, let's cool them off a little bit with a timeout. I don't know. Eric Spolstra is a better coach than I will ever, ever, ever be. <laughs> he's, he's one, of, he's, I think he's probably the best coach in the NBA. I mean, if we're being honest, dude, I mean, he, he took this team from a play in team to the conference finals and they're up three, one and it's like, they're more than likely like 99%. I'd go to Vegas and feel very proud, very confident in putting all of my money on Miami to win this series. Like very confident Be right now. Yeah. Right now. Well, duh, they're up three, one fool. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like, I, everybody I think would be, I, I could get Mia in here and be like, Hey, let's bet all our money on Miami heat winning the series. They're up three, one. She's like, like, oh, they're up 3-1 out of four games? You're forgetting the context. I'm saying the context of them starting as a play-in team to going all the way to be up 3-0, 3-1 in the conference finals over their number one seed, Boston Celtics. That's, I mean, that's something right there. That's that's great coaching. That's And then Jimmy, obviously, being Jimmy. Um, yeah, I... Uh, no Tyler Hero either. No Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson finally came back um, <laughs> past couple of games. So, should Joe Missoula lose his job? Negative. I mean, 
I I kind of think yes. Like I don't want to call for the guy's job, but if we're being realistic, a guy who never has never really had any true coaching experience to my knowledge at this level being like a quote assistant a front front like sit, when I learned that today about him sitting on the back bench instead of the front bench last year and they're like okay what is this guy's credentials like how did he get the job basically I guess he was something something in with Danny Ainge or something along those I don't know so are you Brad saying Steven. he didn't deserve the job I'm not saying he didn't deserve it I'm just saying like with the the roster constructed right now and the late game situations I've seen and his management of the team and the rotations like I don't think at this current time in his life he's 34 Al Horford is older than him like that that also blew my mind because I saw he was 34 and I looked it up and I was like I'm pretty sure Al Horford's older than him and so he's got players older than him so this current time in his career I don't think he's a championship level coach. Like I don't think and based on like their performance in these in this series specifically, like what tells you that this guy can push his team through all these rough spots and all these hard times to win a championship? Like I just don't see it. But the question yeah. is if he leaves, who do you go get? So I don't I don't think they should fire him. But I don't. But I do think that he isn't what they need to win a championship. If that makes sense, they should go yeah, get Doc Rivers. I, Bring Doc I, Rivers back. Oh <laughs> God, don't get Doc Rivers. <laughs> so, my question to you is: Do you think Darvin Ham should be fired? No, I don't. Why? Why, why not? Everything you just he he was on a playing team, took him to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know where he was sitting last year, but I know it wasn't okay, I mean, but it's I, but it's different because the way that the Lakers started this season and then the trades that Palinka and the front office made to give him a team and then get in the playoffs and then push all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Like that's completely different than inheriting the number one, the finals team from last year from the Eastern Conference, adding Malcolm Brogdon. I know that you're saying like there's a difference in the team chemistry and things. I, I get that. But at the same time, like the coach's job is to facilitate the chemistry and make sure that everybody's on the same page and they're going in the right direction. Like that is part of the coach's job. And so I think those are two opposite ends of the spectrum that Missoula inherited a great team and the chemistry is off for some reason. And there's a lot of personal stuff that we could speculate about, not Missoula, but team-wise. You said Jalen Brown, one foot out the door. But to look at Darvin Ham and think that he deserves to lose his job for any reason whatsoever and compare him to Missoula, it's like Darvin Ham didn't inherit the Boston Celtics. Like if Darvin Ham inherited the the Eastern Finals team last year, the runner-ups last year, and, and goes down 3-0 to a play-in team in the conference finals, like that's that's a different conversation. So, yeah, I don't really think they're comparable because Darvin Ham has overcome so much and Joe Mazzulla is like, like just, I mean, there, there hasn't been much until recent to overcome, in my opinion. I mean, they weren't doing so great at the midpoint Christmas time. They weren't, do, they weren't doing so great. And then they, after Christmas 
time they like just turn that shit around. Oh, my mistake. They're the second seed in the Eastern Conference, not the first seed this year, but they're second seed behind Milwaukee, one game behind Milwaukee. So I just I, I just don't think you should fault the man because he didn't get to the finals. Like who 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 did the Celtics face last year in the finals? The what Eastern Conference Finals. Uh probably would have been Milwaukee, right? Eastern. No. Yes. No. Yes. Uh. No. It was the Heat. Was it the Heat? Really? Twenty twenty two East Final. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. games. Game seven. The Heat were the number one seed last year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, the Boston yeah. won four three. They won Game Seven. Yeah, so I mean, I just it's very similar. I mean, uh, what what's the new coach's name? I can't. <laughs> Missoula, Joe Missoula, Missoula, Missoula. Um, Missoula. I mean, he was a few wins short. And still got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Still, you know, just because he didn't make it to the finals doesn't mean like, oh, take his head off. Like, I mean, maybe if they did it to Budenholzer, though, like they took Budenholzer off the team and Budenholzer won a championship a couple years ago. Yeah, but that that's the thing. You kind of like, all right, this is Lonnie Williams, like, same like, thing. Like how, how I, well, they didn't win a chip, so that one sucks. Um, okay, but, but same thing with the Celtics. They made it to the finals and they lost in the finals. And so it's the same scenario. Besides the bench and the inheriting and all that, but like making it to the finals and being runner up and having the team in place. Like they just, the Suns and the Bucks believe that they have a short window of time where they can win another championship or their first championship. And so they fire the coach and they bring somebody in that, that can lead them to a championship. And I think it's kind of a similar scenario. I don't think it's because he's like a bad coach. I just think at this current time in his life, he is not the coach that's going to win them a championship. If he did, that would be nuts. I, that would be awesome. I'd be so happy for him, but I don't think he gets fired because he's doing quote a bad job. I just think he's like Monty Williams or Budenholzer. Like it's just, well, Monty Williams should have played more of his bench. I think that was just kind of pretty obvious. I mean, there's little coaching critiques, but, but hey, he's you're talking about guys. Guy put him there. You're talking about guys that have had multiple years to coach. And okay, do you think seen... that Joe Missoula could win a championship this year or next year? Do you think he could coach the Celtics to a championship? Yeah, I, yes, I think he can. Really? Yes. Like if the Boston Celtics somehow come back from three zero. And they go on to win, and they have they all that they team. Do you think they'll beat the Nuggets? And Mike Malone I mean, there? Yes. If if they come back from three zero, yes. Uh, you don't just come back from three zero and then I don't get think swept so. I mean, in the, the finals. The, the fatigue. But factor, either way, even if they, if they were to lose the next game, get bounced out, I think. Uh, I think it is possible. He, I mean, he's not Udoka. Udoka, that just goes to show how great of a coach Udoka is, and I'm happy he's with the Houston Rockets yeah, now. No Rockets, yeah. Um, it's just he, 
He's only had one year. It's not fair to compare him to a Budenholzer or Monty Williams. See, those, the, the thing with those, like, I could kind of understand because you had your peak. You had your, like, apex, won the title. Haven't been really to able to recapture that same thing after a couple seasons. You know what? Like, let's go ahead, go our separate ways. It, it, and I understand that. Not every coach is Phil Jackson and can just repeat dominance year in and year out. And I, I, to compare that, it's kind of like when I told you, you know, Lamar Jackson, his MVP year, that's, that's, that's going to be his career apex, his peak. He will never be, he will now, never have a season greater than that. Therefore, it's just a matter of how, how far is that slope? How far is that decline? Just because I say it's not going to be like you're, you reach your apex doesn't mean you're going to be trash. You just might come down a little bit. You could still be like, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, like, been past his apex, but his downgrade, his downward slope, it really ain't that far from the apex. <laughs> so, I mean, he's still great. Um, it's just one of those things, uh, especially in Phoenix, you could tell there was weird vibes going on, you know? Yeah, I mean? there was issues with Aiton and Monty Williams last year and things like that. I agree with you. And I think, you know, we've beaten this this dog to the to the death or whatever the saying is. We've beaten the dead horse. Yes, um, dead horse. Yeah. I, I've been, uh, I watched a Netflix series yesterday. Or the other day, binged it. Oh, the McGregor one? McGregor Forever. I saw it too, yeah. <laughs> okay, Forever, I man. knew about this guy. Like, obviously, I think anybody who's anybody knows about this and watched, like, most of his fights from the mid-2010s. Like, you know, I've, I've watched most of his stuff. I'm just curious, like, in your opinion after watching, because you've been watching UFC for what, like, three, four, five years now? I mean, a long, pretty, pretty decent, like, regular watcher now. Three years. Um, yeah. Is he going to come back? Yeah, he is. He has to. I mean, he's going to. Is he? He looks like he's juicing, though. He looks like he's on something. He's huge. Yeah, he has to. So, him and Michael Chandler have to fight. They're coming on. The Ultimate Fighter starts actually airing a week from today on the 31st. Okay, I forgot about um, that, yeah. The Ultimate Fighter starts. So, I mean, him and Chandler are going to fight. It's probably going to be November. November or December. I'm actually leaning a little bit towards December. The issue, the thing is, first of all, everybody knows it's pretty public. McGregor has to get back into the USADA pool, the drug testing pool. And the thing is, when you go back into it, you have to wait. You have to have six months of clean test. So he's about to shrink can, up here before you can fight. So that's been a thing for the past couple of months since it was announced he was going to be on Ultimate Fighter. He's like, all right, when is he getting back in the USADA pool? Because we know, like, once he's back in the USADA pool, six months, then after six months, he could fight. But the longer it goes, it's like, that's the longer, like, oh shit, all right, it's not happening. You know, when you get to April, you're like, all right, it's not happening. It has to happen after September. And then April goes by. It's like, all right, it has to happen sometime after October. And so it's one of those things. Apparently, it, it was said, they said something, they announced something about it last week. 
I think he, Dana said he was going to start, he was going to get on it immediately, ASAP Rocky. Um, so You think yeah. he's going to win? Do you think he has a chance at winning? Like, actually? I think he, I think he does if he, uh, if he, if he's the Conor McGregor we know, yeah, he wins that fight just because he's, he's too, he's so precise. Michael Chandler, I mean, Michael Chandler is a great fighter, but he, he's not as a uh, technical with everything. Um, kind of, he likes to brawl a little bit. Mm. And I feel like that, that advent, that advantage goes to McGregor because McGregor's just going to snipe him up. Okay. Is, is Habib the, the greatest fighter then? I mean, I rewatched him in the, the series and the, oh. the series was done really well. If you haven't seen it, it's really cool. It goes through like each episode has like one of his major fights recently. And I thought it was really cool. Like they did a good job of like going in his camp and like showing his work ethic and stuff. And I mean, love him or hate him, dude, he's entertaining as shit. <laughs> that guy is so entertaining. So yeah. is he, is Habib the greatest fighter ever? Is that even a question? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. A lot of people would say John Jones. Just because. How many has he won? Like 30. I can look it up. I've got the internet with all the answers in front of me. 30 and one. But the thing is, he's technically undefeated because it was like that one was a disqualification from a 12 6 elbow. It was pretty stupid. Um,. So I mean, a lot of people recognize him. Like Joe Rogan will yeah, say, twenty-seven. He's, he's undefeated. Like he's never lost a fight. And the thing is, he's gone on a lot longer, even though he has his issues with the juice and with the steroids or whatever. And um, whatever. But Habib. So he's twenty-seven and one. Joe, uh, John Jones, and Habib is twenty-nine and zero. Yeah, but John Jones out of that twenty-seven. Half of those are probably from his title reign. Yeah, it says 16 title fights. Yes, whereas Habib maybe had three or four. Jeez. Like, That's not even a question. I mean, basically, he's, he's... I mean, when you defend the title as many times as he has, or you have 16 title fights, I mean, that's... I, I would go out and even say, like, maybe Israel Adesanya is, like, has a right to say that, you know, he... He's a better fighter than Habib. It's just, you know, yeah, he's undefeated. I just felt like he didn't really, he kind of left. I mean, good for him. He looked like he left at a good time when he was still young and healthy and whatnot. But when he left, there there was still so much of the division for him to go through. And kind you kind of feel cheated that he, he left so soon. Yeah. So that that's my thing. With, with the whole and then the last one for you here they made a big deal about it in the documentary but why didn't he get a call for fight island like what was up with that why didn't he yeah i remember actually all that um i don't know apparently there's just this thing going on between connor and ufc i i mainly think it's just a business thing i think you know covid happened but if you're the ufc you want you want Connor in front of a crowd, like you want the whole shebang because that's what Connor McGregor brings. You know what I mean? Mm. So I can understand from their perspective, 
you know, let let's kind of wait it out a little bit. Let's wait it out a little bit. Maybe they'll start so like paying this. like paying for Connor McGregor fight. They wouldn't receive the income that like Pack Stadium obviously would give them. That's yeah. like that theory. That makes sense. And and remember, at that time, no one knew how long it was gonna last. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, maybe in Dana's mind, like you know, somewhere could open like out of nowhere. Well, you know, if Texas would have opened sooner, I'm pretty sure Conor McGregor would have had a had a fight. If some, just any place, if they opened sooner, Conor McGregor would have had a fight. I'm sure of it. So you think he'll he'll come back though? Do you think he's just gonna do one fight, or you think he's uh, he's like what thirty, what? Conor McGregor. I think he's thirty four. Thirty four, yeah. So he's thirty four. That's pretty I, old for a fighter. I think yeah, for a fighter yeah. I think um, I think if he wins, keep it going. If he loses, I think for sure he, he's that he's done skis. I can't imagine like, I mean, this dude hasn't won a fight in the lightweight division since 2016, 2023. Like, damn, this man has not won a fight in the lightweight division. I that mean, was one that they covered in the documentary. Who did he fight again? It wasn't Cerrone. It was was it Cerrone? Eddie, Eddie, it, well. The one you're so referring to, his last, no, his, his last knockout was Cowboy Cerrone, but no, I'm talking about lightweight because they fought oh. that one at welterweight. But yeah, his last actual win was in 2021 against Cowboy Cerrone. Like, so what does that mean? Is that not like, why didn't you it's count like that? He, he, well, just because uh, he fights in the lightweight division. He doesn't fight as a welterweight. So like lightweight, in, lightweight is more or less than the welterweight. Less. It's 155. Oh, okay. Welterweight's 170. Oh, so, okay. Okay. so you haven't won uh you haven't won a fight in your division that you claim, that you actively claim mm. since 2016. It's kind of like if you lose to Michael Chandler, it's just it's time to go, brother. Time to go. He didn't I didn't know that. He was the first fighter to hold two consecutive belts. That's fucking badass. Has there been anybody since? Yeah. Daniel Cormier. Oh, Amanda. since? No, not since. Not, not since him, right? Yeah. Oh, Connor really? was the first Connor was the first one to ever do it. Oh, okay. Okay. But ever since he was the first one and then it was a few other D, uh DC, Daniel Cormier, Manda Nunez, um, Henry Cejudo. Is another one. It's been. Is it possible to do three? Can you hold three belts, or is it too much weight? It just depends, I guess, on the person. I think it's might be too much. I feel like it would be a situation where you have to be, you have to go between the three weights. You have to do the one that's above you, and then you have to do the one that's below you. Um, I just don't know a person that can do both you got the smaller guys at that say 155 smaller guys you know what i'm gonna try maybe i should go down to featherweight like to 145 you never have or or you have the guy that's too big and they're like 
this weight cut sucks. I'm gonna go to 170. But you never have both because that is just opposite. Those are opposites, you know. So you go 170, and then what's the weight above that? For welterweight, that's a little different. It's a little hard, harder because uh, it's 185. So it goes up 15 on that one. So you could do. You technically could do. You could be a welterweight at 170, right? And then you mm-hmm. could go up to 185, and then you go down to 155. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do that. Yeah, but who? Who? That's just weird. That's like whoever does that is going to be pretty great because that's just a hard thing to do with the way weight cuts work and whatnot. Like to be at your best at the weight above and the weight below. It's just, yeah, that's going to be crazy whenever that happens. Damn. I was curious because I watched it. It's a really good documentary McGregor forever. You should watch it. If you haven't seen it Two fans, it's really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, they did a good job. I think these sports documentaries ever since the last dance, like where Michael Jordan is setting the standard for everything, dude. <laughs> the last dance documentary is probably the greatest sports documentary ever made. I, I think it's definitely the greatest sports documentary ever made. I mean, it's 10 episodes and every single episode is compelling. And now you're having these ones come out that are just phenomenal. I mean, just like the McGregor one, that's four episodes long. But the reason I say it's that one's the greatest because they did it for 10 episodes. Like there's a lot of great one episode or like, you know, hour and a half ones or whatever, but there's not many that are more than like five or six, let alone 10 that every single episode is like packed. So I love that. But MJ said in the standard yet again, uh, that's everything I had though. I was just curious because I'd watched that the other day. We got, First night without basketball here in, God, I don't even know how long. It's been at least a month, I would say. There's hockey, eh? Yeah, we got more hockey. Let's do that hockey. Two fans, you know where to find us? At Slice Dabbles Pod, at Slice Dabbles Podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday-ish. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.